I have uh, a message that I want to share this morning, and it's a weird message. I shared it with Dwight because he's always wanting to know, what's the title of your message? And, you know, you need is to give Samuel, me a title. Samuel L. Jackson coming preach? No, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> they don't get that joke once they hear Yeah, <laughs> the title of this message is Snake Eggs in Your Head. <laughs> snake Eggs in Your Head. All right. I'm going to share some things because there's some there's some scriptures I want to talk about. I got something very important. The Lord wants to share something this morning with all of us. How many of you got ears to hear this morning? Tengo algo muy importante que compartir en esta mañana. Something extremely important. Lord of God. I want to talk a little bit about our thoughts. Uh-oh. I'm caught up here. I'll get it. If not, then I'll fall and y'all will laugh, and this will be a message that will never be forgotten. And that'll be a good thing. Snake eggs in your head. If you look with me, I'm going to try to go fast, okay? The book of Isaiah, chapter 58. I don't have the, it may be verse 1. I, don't, I didn't even write the verse down. I was so excited when I got this, this scripture here. It might be verse 1, I'm hoping. Is it verse 1, Brother Cyrus? It is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Wow, okay. I'm going to read out of the King James, and I'm going to read out of the New King James, okay? The name of the the message this morning is Snake Eggs in Your Head, all right? This is a very, very important message that all of us need to hear this morning because the enemy desires to lay eggs in our heads, and that's actually scriptural. And I'm going to show you that in a little while. I've never (laughs) saw the scripture before until this past week. Snake Eggs in Your Head, verse chapter 55 and verse 1, Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice, thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. And I'm going to read out of the New King James Version in chapter 58 and verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. That's a powerful scripture that God is telling the prophet here. And I think it applies to every preacher who preaches this gospel. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would help me to articulate your thoughts and your truth this morning. Give us ears to hear, Heavenly Father. So that we're transformed and conformed to the image of your son. Shake us out of our complacency. Shake us out of our indifference. Shake us, Heavenly Father, out of our comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I know that all believers strive to maintain a good relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Every believer does. Or every believer should strive to have a healthy and strong relationship with the Lord. I know I do. I try, not saying I'm perfect here, but I, my desire is to have a strong and healthy relationship with the Father. And I know that most, if not all believers, desire to pray, and not just desire to pray, but to see that their prayers get answered. How many of you want your prayers answered? You want to see your prayers answered, all right? And I was doing some thinking about that because I know a lot of Christians who don't pray. And there's a reason why a lot of believers do not pray. It's not. It goes beyond lethargy. It goes beyond being indifferent, although it eventually falls into that. But just think about this for a minute. The thing that keeps oil companies drilling for oil, they, they, that keeps them going, is that what? 
they hit oil. And so they figured if I hit oil, then I can go dig somewhere else and continue to look for oil, and I'll continue to hit oil. The thing that keeps missions ministries digging for water in far-off lands in order to create new wells in villages so that they can spread the gospel is the fact that they hit water. And so the more they hit oil and the more they hit water, the more the motivation is there to continue to dig in other spots so that they they continue to reap what they're trying to dig for. Does that make sense? It does. So continue to follow me this morning. The thing, it's the same way with, with you. It's the same way with all of us in this church. It's the same way with the body of Christ. The thing that keeps believers praying is that we hit oil. Our prayers get answered. So when you pray, when you pray and your prayers get answered, what does that motivate you to do? Continue to pray for other things and believe God for other things and for bigger things and for greater things because you know that if God answered you in this area right here, he'll answer you a thousand times. If he said yes in certain areas when it comes to finances, when it comes to promotion, favor, whatever it may be, and all of a sudden you see doors opening in front of you and they call you to your boss's office and they want to give you a promotion and you've been believing God for that, it's not just we're going to elevate you to manager but you're, there's no salary increase. No, that ain't going to work. Okay? You're going to get a promotion, and not along with that promotion and those responsibilities is going to come a salary increase as well. Okay? Because you're worth it. All right? So you continue to believe God for things and pray and believe him. And when you see God answering, all the more that that does is it motivates you and I to continue to pray. And so here, you know, what does this have to do with Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 1 and snake eggs in our head? I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I'm going somewhere with this because what God is telling the prophet here is there is a reason why Israel's prayers are not getting answered. And Isaiah, what I need you to do is I need you to cry aloud, spare not. In other words, if you're going to reveal the reason why to these people, you need to be honest and open with them and severely blunt and truthful with them, yet in love, and reveal to them exactly why their prayers are not getting answered. So this is the calling of every preacher right here, to cry aloud, spare not. You don't overlook sins just because there's a big giver in the house. All right. You don't overlook somebody and and know if they drinker, if they're drinking or if they're out uh, uh, having an affair or whatever. But yet I can't because they're very influential in the church. And so I can't say nothing to them. So let me skip over that sin. And let's talk about other things, things that, that really are not relevant. No. The Bible says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. In other words, when the truth comes out, you need to preach it and you need to don't spare anybody. All right. We are all under the same blood. We are all under the same grace. And we are all under the same requirements in the Gospels. Amen? Amen. All right. And so here God is revealing to Isaiah exactly what is going on with the people in his time and how they felt. God is not attentive to our prayers. He's not attentive to our needs and it appears when you read the rest of the or some of the chapters before and even throughout here and even to chapter 59, it appears that Israel is doing all the right things, but yet their prayers are not getting answered. So Isaiah is seeking God about this issue and God gives them a word. How many of you love it when God gives you a word? How many of you love it when God gives a word to the church? 
whenever he begins to give a word, a fresh word to you yes, yes. that specifically addresses your situation. Yes. We need God. We need a fresh word. Yeah. We really do. We need fresh word. We don't need old stale bread. We need fresh words. Yeah. We need fresh from heaven. Yes. We need today's manna, not yesterday's manna. Hallelujah. And so God would use Isaiah to expose the sin that was in plain sight to God. How many of you know that, that things that may not be in plain sight to us, they're still in plain sight to God? God sees the true condition, and sometimes we can get so... Anybody ever eat in a Chinese restaurant? You know, I, I don't really notice it as much anymore as I used to back in the day when I would go into Chinese restaurants. And typically, Chinese restaurants are very dark. They're very, they're very dark, and you walk in there... You know, I'm, I'm stumbling around. I'm walking by faith because I'm fixing to eat by faith because I can't see what I mean. Now, what happens is you walk into that Chinese restaurant, and it's not just Chinese restaurants, okay? Um, it could be any restaurant, but you walk into a, a restaurant that has very low lighting. What happens to your eyes? In, immediately when you walk in there, it, everything is dark. But as soon as you get your food, it's almost like we're, you can see everything as if everything was clear. Did they turn on the lights? No. You just conformed and adjusted to the darkness. Okay? You just, your eyes, they adjusted, they adapted to the darkness that was in there. And, and now it's normal for you. Okay? And so when it's normal for us, God still sees things that are not right. And so here, Israel is saying, they have an indictment against God saying, we're doing all the right things, but it seems as if God is not listening to us. And so Isaiah, God is speaking to him. And you got to understand that Israel, are they're called what? The people of God, the chosen people, and their prayers are not being answered. And the Bible's very clear about this. The people in, in Isaiah's day, they were seeking God daily. They wanted to know his ways. They wanted to walk in righteousness. And they wanted to approach God. But yet God had this indictment against them. And let me tell you, this is a very, very, this is very important church for us to be very attentive this morning if israel was desiring to know god desiring to walk in his ways desiring to seek him daily even fasting consistently but yet even in all of that god still says there's something wrong with them, and this is why I'm not answering their prayers. If Israel was doing all the right things as so it appears, then how much more should we walk cautiously and sensitively to the Holy Spirit so that we don't fall into this same rut? How many of you want to avoid the ruts that Israel avoided? Now, look, check out verse 2. We're going to go to verse 2 and 3. It says here, it says, Yet they seek me daily... This is what I'm talking about. They seek me daily. They delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness, and they forsook not the ordinance of their God. That sounds like a good thing. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Look at verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and you're not, you're not seeing what we're doing. Why have we afflicted our soul and you're not taking this? You're not taking anything that we're doing, God, into consideration, is what Israel is saying. Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. 
They expressed the sentiment that it was as if they had done all the right things, yet God was some, for some reason hiding his face from them. Are you, are you with me this morning? They have this huge indictment against God. We're doing all the right things. And how, how many of you want your prayers answered? And you do all the right things. Have you ever have you ever gotten to the point where you're frustrated? Be honest now, church. Have you ever been so frustrated because you're you feel as if I'm doing all the right things, I'm seeking God, I'm praying, I don't have any at least that I know of, any known sin that I'm ongoing and persistently going after, and I'm praying, and it, 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 it's as if God is not hearing my prayers. Anybody ever been there? Yes. You know, I'm not seeing God move. And, and this can even happen in churches where we can do all the right things, but yet never see the Spirit of the Holy Ghost or the presence of the Holy Ghost move in a mighty way in our church. And we can get to the point where we wonder, why are we doing all these things? And it's as if God's not listening. So they, we had, they have this huge indictment against God, but God has an even bigger indictment against the people. All right? Isaiah chapter 59. We're going to go a chapter over. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. And this is the indictment that God has. He says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Help us, Lord. But just a chapter before that, they're doing all of the right things. They're fasting. They're seeking his face. They desire to know his ways. But in the chapter over, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So it appears that although Israel looked as if they were doing the right thing, guess what? They were only doing it with their mouths. I think there's a huge lesson for all of us in this place, from the pulpit to the last chair in this place. I think there's a huge lesson for all of us here uh, this morning at Prince of Peace, and even for those who are listening online. God does not want our lip service. He's not interested in our lip service. He's not interested in our Christianese. He's not interested in our religious jargon. He does not take delight in an outward expression or an outward demonstration of religion. God goes beyond the outward and looks at our what? Our heart. You. Me. We are to love the Lord our God with all our Heart, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that an unfair thing for God to be that requiring of us? If it was not for the Lord, none of us would be here sitting here this morning, justified and redeemed. God is the author and the genesis of everything, which means he envisioned you. You need to understand that this morning. He is the genesis of everything. He is the beginning of it all. And and God, when nothing else was formed, the Bible says that everything was in utter chaos when the earth hadn't even been formed yet. Even before the he said, let there be light and he created the, the earth, he had you on his mind from the very beginning. He had you on his mind. He envisioned you. You need to understand that. That's deep this morning. He envisioned you. He he saw you. He envisioned you. He wanted you. He desired you. He had you on his mind and on his heart. And let me tell you, church, 
He does not want you. He didn't envision you just approaching him with lip service. He desired to have a a real, uh, a, a rich, healthy relationship, an intimate relationship with you. He envisioned you. He desires for you to want him. Some of you wives know what I'm talking about. You can bear witness to that. Okay? Some of you who just think, I don't know if my husband really loves me. And your desire is, I want my husband to, to want to be with me, to love me. You know what I'm talking about? And that's the same thing that God, he, he, he has a desire for you to want him. He has a desire for you when you come into church. Listen, he doesn't want you to be like Israel, saying all the right things, but yet not really there. All right. He wants you when you come in on Sunday morning, he wants you with an earnestness, with a with a desire. You're here with a desire to meet with him. You're here with a desire to see him. You're here with a desire to go after him, to seek his face, because that's how he is with you. Come on, church. God, this morning, I wish that, God, you would shake us out of our complacency and our indifference and give us a passion for your presence and for your face and for your ways to know you. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to weep this morning. <laughs> he doesn't want a people to just show up in, a, in their body and then utter all of this religious jargon. That's not what he wants. He could have gotten that anywhere. He desires a people that want to be with him. That want to think with him. Come on. He desires a people. Listen, what do you think he did with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, the cool of the evening? He walked with them. They thought with him. They communed with him. They shared their hearts together with him. That's what he desires from you and from me. What do you think he did with Enoch? Enoch would seek God and seek him daily. It was a, it was, if you could just catch an idea of what that relationship was like, where all of a sudden one day God so loved the company of Enoch, where God said, don't leave this time. Stay here with me. And then the Bible says that Enoch was no more. All right? Some of us, we don't, I mean, we don't understand that. What do you mean? What do you mean? Enoch was with God and all of a sudden Enoch was no more. Enoch never died. Praise God. He spent his time with the Father. He, he sought after him where God said, you know what? Why don't you, why don't you not go home this time? Stay here. Stay here. I'm telling you, church, Enoch's coming back. Praise God. Him and Elijah. Some people think Moses, but I honestly think Enoch and Elijah are the ones that are coming back because it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. And the two that have not died in scriptures is Elijah and Enoch. Those are the only two that never died physically. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that in the last days there are going to be two witnesses that come, two witnesses. And they're going to preach, and they're going to be seen everywhere. You know, that used to freak preachers out in the 50s. Because they didn't understand that. And then all of a sudden, CNN came on the scene. And then all of these news channels. You can see everything anywhere. On your smartphone, you know what's happening. And in, 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 in all of, in the Middle East, 
You know what's happening in, in Nigeria. You know what's happening in Afghanistan. All you got to do is look on your phone. Everything, it's there. So what used to freak out the preachers back in the 50s, they didn't understand how in the world is everybody going to see these two prophets die and in three days get back up again and the whole world is going to see it. How does that happen? Now we're in 2017, fast forward from the 50s, and now we all get it. We all get it, okay? It took a little while for technology to catch up with the word. All right? But it, it, it's still catching up. All right? And, and that is scriptural because in the book of Daniel, it says that in the last days, that technology is going to advance, that there's going to be knowledge on the earth. There's going to be this technology. How many of you know, you know, I just bought a new smartphone, and I guarantee you what frustrates me is I can't stand how expensive smartphones are. And, and, and I bought two of them, one for me and one for my wife, and almost $700, $700 each. And I don't like doing that because I already know in six months the next one's going to come out. And I'm like, mine's going to be obsolete. But I, believe me, I'm going to get more than two years out of it. I will wear that thing down. Because I'm cheap like that, all right? I mean, you should have seen my wife's phone. The reason we had to get new phones is hers kind of blew up. We had a Samsung. We had two Samsungs. Hers kind of blew up on her. So I was like, okay, I guess it's time for phones. Is this helping anybody? Amen. We're, we're getting, listen, there's, there's meat in the house this morning, all right? So basically, God is telling Isaiah that the people are going through the right motions. He's saying that. He's, he doesn't have any, con, con, he's not contesting that. He's saying the people are going through the right motions. They're going through the right words. They're saying everything. They look good on the outside. They're even fasting. They even have a, a form of obedience to them. But when they come before me, Isaiah, they're not really there. Church, that is a huge indictment. And uh, listen, you and I got to understand that this morning. God forbid that we come to church, but we're not really here. Why? We're not, what do you mean I'm not really here? You can be here, but, be, but really still not be here. You can be here, but your mind is on other things. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You can be here, but your heart is somewhere else. I'm just here on Sunday. My heart and my mind are not really in this thing. Let me show you why. Ezekiel chapter 33, uh, verse 30 through 33. Ezekiel 33 verse 30 through 33, it says, as for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls. You know what he's saying? He's telling Ezekiel, hey, they're talking about you, Ezekiel. All right. Ezekiel's a preacher. He's a prophet. And he's saying, and God is saying, as for you, son of man, the children of the people still are, ta- are talking against you by the walls and in the, inside their houses, they're talking about you. And in the doors of their house, and they speak to one another. Everybody's saying to his brother, "Listen, look what he look what look at this indictment." Everyone to his brother, saying, "Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh from the Lord." All right, let's keep going. Verse thirty-one. What they're saying is, "Hey, you come and listen to this preacher. Man, he just he hit it out of the ballpark, better than the Dodgers." I'm looking over at Dwight. Verse thirty-one. <laughs> And they come unto the, they come unto you, they're coming to you, Ezekiel. Okay, get it in context. They, they're coming to you, Ezekiel, as the people cometh, and they're sitting before you as my people. And they hear your words, but they will not do them. Oh my gosh. For with their mouth they show much love. 
I love that. Even, even our slang got caught up to the word. Much love, all right? With their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Look at verse 33. Or, or, I'm sorry, verse 32. And lo, you are unto them... Ezekiel, this is, you know, they hear you, they love what you're saying, and you're like a lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice that can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they don't do them. Look at verse 33. And when this comes to pass, and it will come, then shall they know that a prophet has been among them. God help us. So then we have a better understanding of God telling Isaiah... To go and tell the people why nothing is happening, why their prayers are not being answered. They're fasting. They're, they're coming to church on Sunday. They're coming on Wednesday night. They are going after God, but yet prayers aren't being answered. And he's saying, go and tell them that this is why things in their life are, in, are so jacked up. They're in such disarray and their prayers are hindered. It's because they're not coming before me with their hearts. They're just offering lip service. So what caused this? Look at Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59 verse 5 through 8. They hatch. I don't like this verse here in the King James. I like this verse. Don't get me wrong. I don't like it in the King James. They hatch, they hatch cockatrice eggs. In other words, viper's eggs. They hatch viper's eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eats of their eggs dies. And that which is crushed breaks out into a viper. The egg that is hatched, a viper comes out of it. In other words, what he's saying. Look at verse 6. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity and the acts of violence in their hands. This is the indictment God has on Israel. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Their thoughts... Look at what he says. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes their way shall not know peace. Back to verse 5. He's saying, these are my people. They are not Hittites. They are not Canaanites. They are not Philistines, but my people. And the devil is having a field day laying eggs in their head, in their minds. And my people are like, they're just like a hen sitting on those eggs. Anybody ever see a hen sit on some eggs? Anybody? Anybody see that? You seen it? What happens when you try to reach out for that egg? They'll get that wing and they'll slap you. They will slap you with that wing. Or they will peck at you. They're going to protect that wing. And I have found on many occasions in my own life and even in the life of other people, other believers that I've spoken to, that sometimes we will go through great lengths to protect those eggs that the enemy has placed in our heads while disregarding the Lord's eggs. God's ways are easy. Amen? That should be a better amen than that. God's ways result in peace. There is no striving. God's ways are natural. The mind, church, is the womb of the heart. The mind is the womb of the heart. And thoughts are like seeds and are like sperm that is used to fertilize those eggs, those thoughts. God looks at what's going on inside our minds and in our hearts. And so here's Israel 
and they look good on the outside. And all the while, God is saying, I'm not looking on the outside. I'm not looking at the clothes you're wearing. I'm not looking at the color of eyes you have. I'm not looking at your hairstyle. I'm going straight to that heart. I see what you hide in front of all the people. You put on your Sunday best. You have your nice Sunday smile. You sing your beautiful songs. But I see what's going on in your heart. The mind is the womb of the heart. God looks at what's going on in our minds. And he does not just look at us on the outside like most people do. We see the exterior, but God looks at the heart. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 23, as a man thinketh in his what? In his heart. So when you say, wait a minute, how do we think with our hearts? As a man thinketh, thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart. So on the inside, that's what God's looking at. And so God is revealing to, in the Old Testament, he revealed to Samuel, whenever Samuel was going to go and anoint the, the child of Jesse, the son of Jesse, he sees all of the brothers and they all look good on the outside. Mm-hmm. All right? They all look like they, they, they're tall, they're good looking, they're strong. They look like they could lead an army. And so God revealed to Samuel, he said, Samuel, I don't look at things like a man looks at things. I don't view things the way man views things. My ways are higher than man's ways and my thoughts are higher than man's thoughts. Man looks on the outward appearance. They look at the stature. They look at the demeanor. But God bypasses all of that and looks within. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says this. For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Verse 7. For for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to eat. Saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. All right. Well, in other words, what he's saying is, for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says, but his heart is not with you. In other words, have anybody ever have a, a, a conversation with somebody and they're you could tell they're not there. They're not listening to you. Just kind of like right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anybody ever been there? You're talking to somebody, but they're not there. Why? Because their heart and their, their mind is somewhere else. So that's what God is saying. You can come to church on Sunday morning and your heart and your mind is somewhere else. And the reason why you're not seeing God do mighty things in our midst is because our hearts are not really in it. Is this good? Let me show you something else. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, look at this. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination, everybody say imagination, of the thoughts of his heart. You see that? The thoughts where? He doesn't say the thoughts in his mind. He's saying the thoughts in his heart was only evil continually. And let me tell you something about imagination because I had you repeat the word imagination. You have pictures in your head. Okay? And so what he's saying is the people, when God looked down... It broke the heart of God, his very creation, looking down at his people. And the very people he created, he saw that they were wicked and that everything they were looking at, the pictures in their head, what they were looking at was making them even more corrupt. (laughs) How many of you How many of your thoughts are becoming evil, have been evil? 
How many of your thoughts have grown vile over the last few weeks, the last few months, the last few years? How many of us in here, church, we come to church on Sunday morning, but how many of us have throughout the week had unholy thoughts in this heart of ours? And yet we come into God's presence as if things are fine. And then we wonder why things are jacked up at home. We wonder why things are not right in our finances. We wonder why we're always sick. We wonder why things our children won't follow God. We wonder why all, all these things are in disarray. We're wondering all these things. Well, how, how are your thoughts? What does God see in you? Are you slipping in your thoughts? Some of you, church... And I'm including myself in that you. Some of you in this church today, if you want to control your thoughts, you need to get your thoughts, your thought life washed under the blood. And then, you, listen, you're going to have to learn to stop looking at things. And when I say imagination, you got these pictures in your head because you're imagining. And you're, I could tell you right now, Great Dane, and right in your head, split second, you already had the picture of a Great Dane in your head. I could say a Chihuahua, right away, you got a picture of a Chihuahua in your head. That's how fast. So that's the imagination. You're thinking of the, and you're, you're, you're seeing these things. What are you watching? What are you seeing? What are you watching on the internet? What are you watching on your tablet? What are you watching on your cell phone? What are you watching on television? And then you wonder why you're, you're so driven by lust. You're so driven by things that you shouldn't be driven by. Amen. The more you fill yourself up with filth, the more you begin thinking evil thoughts. Hey, these are the last days and none of us have time to be thinking about evil thoughts. These, I said these are the last days and none of us in this church have time to be thinking about evil thoughts. You don't have time for that. It's time to start thinking of the thoughts of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. you got to get your mind in alignment with the word. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. If there's any virtue. If there be any praise in those things. Yes. Then think. Dwell. Get fixated on those things. Get your mind off of those other ungodly thoughts. Genesis chapter 6, when we read this a while ago, these were the, the, the I'm about to throw some people off, the antediluvians. Anybody ever heard that word, antediluvians? Pastor, you ever heard that word? Yeah. The antediluvians. That's who these people were. You say, what in the world is an antediluvian? Antediluvian. An antediluvian are the people that lived in the, uh, they were pre-flood people, the antediluvians, Okay. The imagination of the thoughts of their heart, the pictures in their mind, what you allow yourself to see, what they allowed themselves to see, made them all the more want to watch, want to see those things. Watch what you see. Learn to shut some things off. God considers the heart. Let me, let me hurry up. The people of God in Isaiah's day, they gave lip service and they even shouted him down with amens to everything they said, everything he said. Even Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, hey, they, they love listening to you, Ezekiel. You know, one of the things that, that, that astounds me is that in the life of Jesus, 
There was John the Baptist preaching during that time and early on in, in Jesus' ministry. Remember, John the Baptist was preaching. And the Bible says that Herod used to love to listen to John the Baptist. He loved to listen to his preaching. But did Herod ever repent? And it came a time where he spared not. He cried aloud and he, he looked at Herod straight in the face and he said, You're guilty of adultery. Why do you think he was so fearful of Jesus? Because he thought he was John the Baptist come back from the dead. Now, let me warn you, church, that the only person that Jesus refused to even say one word to was Herod. He spoke to Pontius Pilate. He spoke to all of the, the, the people that were asking him, who are you? But when Herod approached him and said, are you the son of God? Are you the king of, of the Jews? Who are you? The Bible says that Jesus just looked at him and didn't say a word to him. Come on. God forbid that we ever get to that point where I don't hear you. I don't hear God. He revealed to Isaiah that they were coming into his presence, but their minds were on idols and other things and not on the things of God. They were thinking of the idols of Canaan and all the ways of the heathen. And their hearts and their minds were already defiled even while they were sitting in his presence. They were even weaving spider's webs in their minds. I, we read that in Isaiah 58 in verse uh, 5 where it talks about the spider webs. The webs that Isaiah refers to is figurative for the demonic traffic that occurs in the thoughts. Webs in your mind. Let me tell you, they don't have to be interstates or freeways. Some of us have webs in our minds that are tiny back roads. And it doesn't take much. Anybody ever see that? I remember driving down a, a small road. I don't remember the, the number of the road, but I was in around Yorktown, Texas. Anybody know where Yorktown is? Okay, one person. That's where Yorktown is. I was in the back roads of Yorktown one day. I was driving, and uh, it, it was. Uh, I saw all of these spider webs. They went from pole to pole. You know, you have all those telephone poles. And it seemed as if they were they were uh, migrating. And they, I mean, they were web to web. You, it amazes me how thin webs are, even thinner than our hair. But they can travel for miles on those spider webs. And they can latch on to things. And let me tell you something that is so unique about spider webs. Let me, let me read this to you. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 28. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always give you scriptures to back this up when I'm saying. The Bible says in verse chapter 30 and verse 28 in the book of Proverbs, the spider takes hold with their hands and is in king's palaces. Isn't it amazing that spiders, you can see them in the lowliest of shacks or you could go the mo to the most beautiful, the most amazing palace. And you're going you're gonna to find spider webs there too. They find a way to get in. And that, that's wisdom with the proverb. What, what the, this proverb, what, that's wisdom right here. Is you've got to really take a good inventory and clean up some things. Because when the enemy begins to put spider webs in your head and that traffic in your thought life begins to flow, you've got to, you've got to cast those things down. Anybody ever walk into a spider web? Oh my God. I've walked into a spider web in the middle of the day, and, and I, there is a trick to, to when you walk into a spider web. There's a trick to get it off of you because I mean, you know, 
when you walk into one, you're doing this number, and it feels like it's worse. Like, if this thing won't, won't get away. The trick, all right, this isn't in my notes. The trick to walking in spider, when you walk into a spider web, the minute you walk in, and it's, there's, there's some spiritual application to this. The minute you walk into it, stop, walk backwards, and it goes away. It, 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 it detaches. All right? You keep walking in, and it's going to attach to you. Okay? Trust me, I know. You never know where that spider's at. So, but the minute you walk into it, and I've learned that the minute I walk into it, I back up. And, and there's a there is an application to that that when you walk into a spider web that the enemy puts on you, stop, walk back up, back up, back up. That's what repentance is all about. Back up, turn around, go the other way. Go, don't mess with that spider web. All right. And so this is what Isaiah's saying here. He's saying the enemy is putting all of these spider webs in your head, and there's traffic, all of these spider webs that are interwoven in your head. How I many of you know what I'm talking about, church? Yeah. You go from one thought, it leads to another, and it leads to another. Then you start thinking about people that don't have anything to do with what you were initially talking about, but you remembered something they said to you or did to you, and you're thinking about those things. I'm telling you, church, I've been there, and I know what I'm talking about this morning. i got an authority on this, okay? I know how the enemy plays games with our heads and our thoughts. <laughs> it's all the same in the spirit. You walk into spider. You know what's so amazing is you can be the middle, the middle of the day. You can still walk into a spider web. But you know how you can see a spider web when the sun is shining on that thing. And this is why you need somebody behind this pulpit to tell you the truth. And you need where there's an atmosphere and an environment where the Holy Spirit and the light of God's word is allowed to shine so that it sheds light into those spider webs that the enemy's trying to put in your life so that you know I got to cast those things down, sweep those things down, get rid of those things, stop thinking about these thoughts, get rid of them, cast them down. I'm not going to let those spider webs control me. And it doesn't take much of a thought for the devil to cross over and begin to take control in areas that you've never let him in before. Or maybe you've repented and, and you, you stopped thinking certain ways, but all of a sudden all it takes is for him just to just drop a little thought in your head. And it even begins to affect you in other areas of your life. And people take notice. When the devil starts spinning his web, he begins... To, doing so from one place in your life until so many other areas are affected. And he, what, he, what God is telling Isaiah, he says, my people are hatching these snake eggs and evil thoughts are taking over. You know what it means to hatch? To hatch means to bring forth, to reproduce, to give birth, to concoct, to brood over and devise. And for that to occur, let me tell you, when the enemy plants those eggs in your hand, that what is that hand doing? That hand is brooding. All right? She's brooding on those eggs, over those eggs. She's protecting them. She is providing a safe environment for those eggs. So when the enemy comes and puts thoughts in your head, what type of environment are you providing for those eggs that he's planting in your head? Are you sitting on top of those? Are you providing a safe environment for those snake eggs and, and because you want to make sure they hatch. 
Why would you do that? I can't look, bless God. You know, the pastor told me something a month ago, and I've been thinking about it a year ago, and I'm still thinking about it to this very day. And you, you've sat on those snake eggs, and you allowed those things to hatch. Oh, Is this helping you? Amen. I know it's helping me. Amen. Hatch to reproduce more. Hatch also means to reproduce more than the original. To give birth, to brood. Ever see a happy person? Somebody that's always in a good mood. You know, I think of the winds over there because they're always laughing. You know, always laughing. All you gotta do is sit, get around Sarah for a little while, and you're gonna start laughing. All right. <laughs> Do you ever see somebody who is always in a good mood, always happy-go-lucky, but then all of a sudden their personality changes because the enemy just put a thought in their head and it affects their personality. It affects, and they're, they're, they're brooding over that thing. They're sitting on snake eggs, just like that hen. That hen, let me tell you, when that hen, you know, some of you raised your hand when you said you've seen hens lay on eggs, that hen doesn't get up every five minutes and go back on those eggs. That hen stays fixated. That's where they stay put. It's still and it's focused. And when the enemy lays those eggs in our heads, are you sitting there dwelling, sitting there focused, not moving? You can get so enamored with negative thoughts, with those snake eggs, that even those that love you who try to encourage you, you snap at them. Leave me alone. The devil may have planted that original thought in your mind, but listen, you're going to see to it that that thought multiplies in so many different directions and, and it begins to grow more webs. You're providing a safe environment to see to it that those eggs get hatched. Let me skip. Let me tell you what you need to do when the enemy lays, an egg, lays eggs in your head. You know what you need to do? You need to take that big beak of yours <laughs> Some of you already got offended. You need to take that big beak of yours and you need, to, you need to peck on those eggs and make sure that those eggs are destroyed. Better yet, what you need to do is you need to bring those eggs to the altar and you need to allow God, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to get a hold of those eggs that are in your thought life and to crush those eggs before they are allowed to hatch. And listen, what is this, the, the ultimate result? Though They that partake of those eggs they when they're hatched what they die those thoughts listen the enemy he's not just interested in affecting you and your thoughts he wants to listen do you think the enemy was just going after eve think about that eve was having this conversation with with the devil in the garden of eden anybody remember that story do you think that the devil was just interested in affecting eve no he was interested in affecting eve and adam do you think he was only interested in affecting the first couple? No. He wanted to affect Adam and their children. Look what happened to Cain and Abel. And listen, when the enemy comes in here, he's not just, listen, in your home, he's not just interested in affecting the head. He wants to affect the wife as well, or vice versa. And he wants to affect your children as well. He wants to make sure they don't walk in the ways of God. When the enemy comes into this church, he's not interested in just affecting the pastor. He wants to make sure that the pastor is affected and that it goes from person to person, from pew to pew. And that way people are not walking in alignment and they're divided and they're against each other and nothing happens and the gospel doesn't get advanced. Let's get it 
clear picture of what the enemy wants to do and tries to do. Does this make any sense, church? Let's expose him for who he is and for the tactics that he tries to do to the people of God. Don't allow those snake eggs to hatch. Take every thought captive, church. I said take every thought captive. Every thought. Every thought. Everybody say every thought. How many people have gone to bed at night and then suddenly, 3.15, whoa, my eyes are open and your head begins to, your mind begins to think. Your mind just reboots. It, it amazes me how I can wake up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden I'm already thinking of things. It ain't because I'm wise. It, the enemy's just plant, boom. Hey, wake up. And he's right there waiting. And then you can't go, you feel that you're thinking about those things and it doesn't matter how you try to lay there, try to get comfortable, flip your pillow over. It doesn't matter. The enemy is trying to rob you of your sleep and you're thinking about things that are not even in alignment with the word. Your mind gets so geared up. Anybody ever been there or is it just Brother Aaron? You're lying there sound asleep one minute and just seconds later you're thinking about this. You're thinking about that. You're thinking about work. You're thinking about this person and that person and what she said to you and what he did to you. You're thinking about all these different things. Come on, church. That's a snake egg. That's what that is. Well, Brother Aaron, these are, listen, they're just thoughts. I don't see anything harmless in thoughts. Thoughts, God gives everybody thoughts. Yes, God gives everybody thoughts, but so does the enemy. Mm-hmm. Believe me, there is nothing harmless about a snake egg once attached. Mm-hmm. Be watchful that you don't allow Satan to plant an evil thought in your mind. If you allow it and you allow it to linger, then you're allowing Satan to lay eggs in your mind. Look at Matthew chapter 13. I'm going fast, okay? Trust me. Matthew 13, verse 37, Jesus answered them and he said to them, he who sows the good seed is who? The son of man. And what kind of seed does he sow? Good seed. Look at verse 38. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Look at verse 39. The enemy, who? The enemy that sowed them is the devil. This is so basic. Who sowed those evil seeds, those negative seeds, those thoughts, those... Who's the one doing that? The devil. So when you're laying there at three in the morning and all of a sudden you're thinking about what he said, what he said to you, I can't believe he said that. How am I going to respond? This is what I should have said. And this is, I'm not going to allow him. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the office today. I'm going to go to work today. And this is, you're already thinking about all these things and you're getting affected by it. Instead of casting those things down, yeah. casting them down, because that's the, that's a snake egg that the enemy is planting, and it's the enemy that sows good or uh, bad seeds in your head. It's Jesus that sows the good seed. Come on. Don't sit there and allow yourself to dwell on those negative thoughts and get fixated on it. Cast it down. First Corinthians chapter ten. Verse 3 through 5. Maybe that ain't the right one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm sorry. Although that's a good scripture too. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 and 5 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 2 Corinthians. But are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
Casting down, what does it say to do? Cast down, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. How many thoughts? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when the enemy puts those thoughts in your head, you've got to cast it down. How many thoughts? Every thought. And let me tell you, the Bible is true. It's the inspired word of God. And if it wasn't true, listen, you are able, you are more than able to do this. There is not one person in this room that is not able to control their thought life. Because the Bible says that you're able to do it. You are more than able to take those thoughts into captivity and cast those thoughts down. Don't dwell on those thoughts. Don't dwell on that negativity. When the enemy is trying to plague you with fear and with thoughts of sickness and what's going to happen to you when it's winter, I know I'm just going to get the flu. I know this is what's going to happen. You start thinking about those things. You've got to cast those things down. Cast those things down. It doesn't mean you cut off a wire. It means you shut it off. You refuse to dwell on that negative thought. Look what else he says. Every high thing. Let me, let me, that exalts itself. You know what that means? To elevate above others. And that's exactly what the devil does. He puts a thought in your mind and he makes it seem so much more important that everything else that's going on in your life and it begins to play games with your emotions and in your flesh, your blood pressure is affected, your heart rate is affected. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. All that is is the devil exalting that thing above all else that's going on in your life. Every high thing that exalts itself. It's so revealing and it shows us that our very thoughts have the ability to exalt themselves. It can evolve it's, it can make itself bigger than anything else going on in your mind. And if you don't cast that thing down, it will become a predominant way of thinking. And you just get so consumed with it. It wears you out. It wears out all your energy. You can't focus at home. You can't focus at work. And that's the reason why we come to church and we're not focused at church. That's why we're just like Isaiah. The people in his day, they were there, but they really weren't there. You can come to church. There's a, listen, anybody can come to church. Okay? But are you in his presence? Anybody can come to church. But I don't want to just come to church. I want to get into his presence. All right. I got so much else, but you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna stop. It's going to be 12. So I, there's, there's a lot in here. I'm going to stop. The bottom line is this, church. God has given us the ability and even the anointing to cast those things down. My desire, and I know it's the Lord's desire, is to see that you, the people of God, to see that our church walks in victory. Amen. To see that we walk in victory in every area, in your marriage, with your children, in your finances, in your body, in your health, in your career, in your ministry, in your destiny. There is victory, overwhelming victory for every area of your life. Do you believe that? Amen. And it's God's desire for you not to 
walk in some victory and some defeat. There is no defeat. We walk in victory. We are more than conquerors, the Bible says. How many of you believe that you're more than a conqueror? We're kings and priests. We can do all things through Christ. Amen? Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We got to believe that. Get, in, get, get that into our spirit, man, and walk in that. And it's, so it's God's desire that we walk in victory. And he's given you the ability to cast those thoughts down, those thoughts the enemy places in your head. Don't allow those snake eggs to hatch in that head of yours. The minute they hatch, anybody ever, what's more dangerous, an adult rattlesnake or a baby rattlesnake? The baby rattlesnake is more dangerous. And these little snakes that are hatching out of those eggs, they're little babies. And they're more dangerous because they don't know how to handle their venom. It will kill you just like that. That venom will spread throughout. Just like when a snake that's poisonous bites somebody, it doesn't just uh, just bit my hand. No, I, I, I know a guy that lived, uh, that was where I, I work at. He lived there, and his hand, he was showing me his hand where he got bit by a snake. His whole hand was swollen. I mean, it was like a ball. Yeah. And I said, when did that happen? Oh, probably about 20, 25, 30 years ago. I thought it happened over the weekend. Like, and it still affects him. His hand is still affected to this very day. It looks like a ball. But that poison isn't just interested in affecting your hand. It goes in throughout your central nervous system. It affects everything. And it's going for death. That's the same way with the enemy. And God's desire is for you to walk in victory. Get your thoughts in alignment with the word. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand together. I hope, I pray that this helped.